Welcome to today's transportation podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm Sean Heath, and today's show conversation puts me in touch with Will Beecher, production supervisor at Lockheed Martin. Will, Happy New Year. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? You know, I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. It's starting to warm up a little bit outside, so it feels more like Texas winter and not so much like regular winter. So I'm having a good day. Good. You you have a, a very interesting sort of mix of background with regards to transportation and seeing different sides of that particular industry. You worked for a, a large trucking company for several years. You now work at Lockheed Martin. So you really see transportation in the macro. Give me a little bit of your sort of background in logistics and the journey that sort of got you to where you are today. Absolutely. So I graduated from the University of North Texas in an operations and supply chain management uh, major. Go Mean Green. Yes, sir. Um, and so then I went to work for, uh, said, the large trucking company, kind of a logistics operations kind of role. So dealing with the truck drivers on a, on a daily basis and the issues that come and deal with that. Um, and then after that, I uh, got a job at Lockheed Martin, and uh, that's where I'm currently at today. The transportation industry, specifically the trucking industry, this is not Smokey and the Bandit we're talking. These rigs have some of the most space-age technology as far as tracking, time management. Can you just give me a little bit of your take on how technology is changing the way we drive products across this country? Absolutely. So this all, this, the, the process of, you know, getting the technology into the cabs of the truck started, I don't know, 2013, 2014, with the introduction of the electronic logbook requirement uh, starting at the end of 2017, every truck has to have one. Um, so pretty much what that is, is a computer that's hooked up to the truck that monitors everything from speed, fuel consumption, uh, on and off times, idle times. I mean, just about everything that you can measure on a vehicle, it measures it in real time um, and tracks it. And so you can use that. Um, the company can use that to um, kind of see, okay, who's our top performers? Who can improve? Where can they improve? Are, are they mating their schedule? Are they sleeping enough? Are they, you know, off enough? Are they at home enough? You know, wh what, what factors are driving their performance overall? I really like to hear that technology can be used to sort of help them operate at peak efficiency, but also increase their safety at the same time. Absolutely. So from there's two sides to this argument about the electronic logbooks and saying, you know, every second of your day is tracked. Um, from the company side, it's great. You, you have data on, you know, everything. Um, you can use that to help performance. But on the flip side from the the operator side you have when they used to have paper books you know they I'm not going to say they did but they could fudge their you know numbers a little bit to say oh I'm tired I'm going to take a break I'm not going to drive right now I'm not going to record this take a little nap get back on the road you know be safer as where now um I don't know how much you know about the trucking industry but every day you're given 11 hours to be driving period point blank and um and with the electronic logbooks um that 11 hours never stops for for that for that period. So you don't have that kind of flexibility that you had previously um, that the drivers in theory could use to take more rest or, you know, rest when they needed to as opposed to having to drive for those 11 hours. Um, so there's, there's two sides to the coin. Um, from, you know, my perspective, I think it, it helps um, to say, yeah, you got to shut down 
tonight and you can't fudge it and drive 16 hours when you're only supposed to drive 11. So that was, it sounds like that was one of the trends that you noticed that maybe had a little bit of a flaw in it. Are there some other trends that you noticed when you were still working in that part of the industry that you have noticed have been adjusted for the better as of late? I guess that's a point of view, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, the the electronic logbooks, um, I definitely think take the control out of the people, out, out of the operator's hands, um, which, I mean, can be good or bad depending on, again, what side you're on. Um, I think it, overall it can help an owner-operator be more profitable in their business because, I mean, they're you know, they're, they're paying the bills on that truck. Um, and so if they're more efficient with their time by using the electronic logbooks, I think it hopefully would make them happier to make more money, hopefully be a little bit safer too, in having to take those rest breaks when they need to take or when they have to take them for the full time. And as we're talking about paying for those trucks, those machines are climbing up to $200,000, quarter million dollar territory now? They most certainly can be. Um, you know, I mean, a full sleeper berth, brand new rig can definitely get up to $200,000. It's not cheap. So, I mean, it, they got to make those payments every month. So, um, it's just like a car payment. Want to maximize that time. And having, you know, such a, a valuable piece of equipment really makes managing the logistics of utilizing that equipment much more important, much more critical. What was some of the more challenging logistic operations that you were part of? Well, I would say uh, dealing with international shipments is very difficult. I coordinated the movement of alcohol over the border legally, and there is more paperwork and confusion with that than just about anything I've done in my career, especially when there's a language barrier involved. I speak a little bit of Spanish conversationally, but I definitely didn't know enough to tell someone that doesn't understand English how to move beer across the border. So definitely not the Smokey and the Bandit approach. <laughs> no, no, we weren't racing across the, the border for that. So you've moved to a, a different area of logistics now. What similarities do you find between those two sectors? Everything's got to be on time. In my current role, if we don't make our deliveries, there's potentially someone out in the field that could get hurt or, you know, is not going to have the equipment they need to, you know, keep this country secure. Um, and then on the other side, you know, if you know, a medical supply company doesn't get their medical supplies to where they need to go on time, it could be potentially fatal for somebody. So, I mean, there's, there's a criticality to both of them that, I don't know, I think that's the a main theme is being on time in just about everything you do. You know, I think that if you're not directly involved with transportation, if you're not either a customer or a provider, just the normal citizen probably doesn't realize just how much goes into moving product across the country and across borders. It, it really, you know, it shows up in the grocery store or it's on my table. We really don't realize just the massive amounts of calculations, manpower, hours, machinery, energy that goes into moving products. Absolutely. I mean, like one of the things you don't realize is one of the our bigger customers was a paper company and how heavy and how complicated it is actually to move lots of paper. Um, you know, I mean, because to move paper, you got to have a be able to do a heavy load, which takes different uh, requirements on your drivers and different requirements on different roads. And how can you actually get where you're going from, you know, some of these very rural small towns, you know, to a major city, you might have to cross a bridge, might 
the road you're on might not be able to handle your load. So, you know, how, getting around that kind of stuff. I mean, there's just so many different little things that play into the transportation industry from people, technology, regulations that are pretty stringent. Um, and there, there's a whole book on them. It makes it tough. One sheet of paper seems fairly light, but when you put a million of them on a truck, you basically just have a bunch of flat trees. Exactly. I mean, it, it's just not easy to move. Having been in two different but equally driven and focused sectors of the transportation space, what sort of trends do you see that are emerging or what do you see on the horizon that really has made you kind of sit up and take notice? Um, definitely automation. Um, in, in the trucking industry especially, um, Amazon, Auto, a couple different companies are um, really – or not Amazon – uh, Tesla, excuse me, um, really are driving the force on this. And it's not, an autonomous truck isn't like driving an autonomous Hyundai. It it takes a lot more when you're moving an 80,000 pound machine. It can't turn on a dime. It can't stop on a dime. You know, there's a lot of different factors, you know, the ethics of it, you know, do you hit the car in front of you or do you swerve off and dump your rig into the ditch? You know, those different factors are are playing out. I mean, in the next five or 10 years, uh, uh, autonomous trucks will be fairly commonplace, I, I would assume. And that is going to change the industry. I mean, five of the top 10 issues will be solved with an autonomous truck. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about the log books. You don't have to worry about hours, drivers. You don't, you're not going to need them to be as stringently trained and required. I mean, you'll still need someone in the vehicle to drive it, but It'll definitely change the the face of both industries that that I've been a part of. With the move towards autonomous trucks, would it not also be a logical step to remove the uncertainty of the road and go to a guided path a la a Hyperloop? Is that something that could ultimately replace vehicles that have the freedom to swerve off of the road. If you have something like a Hyperloop that has a dedicated track that obviously there's a whole different set of physics and logistics that go into that. Is that something that you could see a marriage sort of those two technologies? Absolutely. I think a Hyperloop would work. I think that your biggest issue is as it is still currently is your first mile, last mile kind of, all right, we got it to, you know, Dallas, but we need to get it to Walmart, you know, X in this specific Dallas, you know, in this specific area. So how are you going to get it there? I mean, you're still going to have to have some kind of transportation system. Whether I mean, don't get me wrong, it'd be a little bit easier than, you know, long haul trucking. You know, you'd have a much shorter trip and I think you could do it. But I think your your issue is the first and last mile, which it's always been. So you've worked with, as you mentioned, Road restrictions, weight restrictions on bridges. Oh, there's construction on this highway, so we have to reroute over here. So logistics, that's something you dealt with on a daily basis. I always thought that it would be it'd be such a, a difficult challenge to choose between building civic construction around existing transportation corridors versus building transportation corridors to fit civic construction. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. It, it's tough. I, I I always go to the example in Houston. You know, in on I ten west of Houston, there's eight lanes on both sides, and there's still traffic jams. So, it, it, at what point is construction, you know, 
you're still going to have traffic. You're still going to have issues, whether you don't know how many, no matter how many lanes you build on it. And so I don't know. It, it's it's tough to say. I mean, I think you got to strike a balance, just with anything. That's kind of my my approach to most things in life is you got to have a balance. So you know where it warrants it, go one way. Where it warrants the other one, go the other. I think um, it's pretty tough to say either way. Coming into a new year, and that means the trade shows and the the conventions start up really seriously in the next uh, week or two. Is that something that you find yourself being involved in uh, as far as traveling around the country to see new technologies? Or I would imagine at Lockheed Martin, you kind of make up your own stuff. You really don't need to see what the other guys are doing. Is that something that you find yourself involved in? No, I don't really go to too many trade shows. Um, yeah, like 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 you said, we kind of we're on the bleeding edge of most things. So everybody comes to visit you. So basically, you have a lot of people coming and knock at the door. Hey, Will, what are you working on? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people want to see what I, what we're doing. <laughs> well, I tell you what, keep the gates up, keep the doors locked, keep your head down, and keep doing great work. And you know what? We'll find out the next cool thing that you're working on eventually, right? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Well, today I have been talking with Will Beecher, the production supervisor at Lockheed Martin. Will, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to having a chance to talk to you again somewhere down the road. Yes, sir. 